Hello, and thanks for coming along to And We Have an Office Doc, the digital agency podcast where we talk to agency owner directors and learn more about what makes them tick. From the things that make them similar to the things they'd rather have known sooner, where they've had success, and where they've learned some hard lessons. All will be revealed with your host, Chris Simmons, the Agency Accelerator, and he'll be talking to a different awesome agency person in each episode, asking them four questions and seeing where the conversation takes us over the next 25 minutes. Okay, so let us begin. Over to you, Chris. Thanks, voiceover guy, and I'm really happy to have the other part of the Hard Numbers team here. And we've got Paul. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good. Uh, pleasure to be here, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Huge fan of the, well, with the um, exception of that uh, Giza, that episode of the Giza, Daryl, you spoke to a couple of months back. Uh, huge fan of Yeah, uh, well, one yeah. of the one of the lowest, uh, lowest listener numbers uh, podcasts I think I've ever had. I actually got complaints about that one. Um, it's not the <laughs> well, Welcome to my life, trying to... Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> uh, f- f- first question I've got for you that isn't u- a usual question is, do you gilet? No, I don't gilet. Uh, it is... Uh, man. This is... The, uh, the, um, I gave Daryl a, a lot of, um, a, a, a lot of uh, criticism for gilets early on. Um, and obviously six or seven years ago, Gilets were exclusively worn by middle-aged people on hikes. So I naturally gave them a lot of stick for that. But then Gen Z started wearing gilets and suddenly it was like giving meaning to a stop clock telling the right time twice a day. Suddenly Daryl was in style um, and he's just not let me forget that. So no, I don't gilet. Um, I have, when I felt more generous, considered some branded gilets for hard numbers. Um, but, uh, but, but I'm not, but we'll have to see how he behaves this year. Okay. Right. Well, let's see what, let's see what you guys can get up to, to, to do that. So just for the benefit of anyone who doesn't know, do you mind giving us a little bit of an intro to yourself and what you do? Um, and, and specifically as well, what, you know, what your role is in the, in the dynamic duo at, uh, at hard numbers. Yeah, of course. Uh, so my name is Paul. I'm the creator director and co-founder of hard numbers. Um, I can tell. I, can, I talk a little bit about, about hard numbers, and then um, sort of please analyze respective roles um, in that. Uh, so we set hard numbers up uh, three, three and a half years ago now to be the PR agency that the, the sales team uh, loves. Um, and the reason yeah. we picked that niche was I was I was running a different agency prior to to, to launching Hard Numbers, and part of my role there. Um, was to oversee marketing. So this was a, was a different type of agency. It was a influencer marketing agency. Um, and uh, marketing growth was, was was part of my role. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things we did as part of it, we, we had these content series where we would use them for sort of two things. Firstly, we'd use them for, for brand building. Um, so we produced these research papers that, that looked into how certain audiences behave in, in, in certain ways. Um, invested in the, in the research behind that, but critically, the, the, the sort of the outputs were two, twofold. One, um, we want to build, you know, build our brand, you know, uh, build our, our, our platform as a thought leader. But two, as part of those papers, as part of that content production, we'd get in touch with our uh, with our, pro- our prospects and we'd say, hey, we've got this bit of content coming up. 
Um, uh, can we interview for it? Can we treat you as a bit of a steering group, get a few insights, a set us on the way, that sort of thing. And so the idea is it was a, it was a content output, but it was also a sort of a hard sales mechanism. And as the agency scales, as, as often happens, two things happened. One, we got more busy. We had less time to do it. Two, we had a little bit more budget. Not loads of budget, but, you know, enough budget that we thought, let's, let's go and yeah. try and find an external vendor. And we kept trying to find external vendors to, to, to do these things. And what we found was there were really good content agencies uh, that would put out fantastic, um, you know, compelling creative, you know, drafts and stuff that we, we wanted them to, you know, we didn't want them just to be just another white paper. We wanted them to be genuinely interesting. So that was really important to us. But those creative agencies didn't like the idea of selling. You, you, you tell them about the, the, you know, the process we went through or get our ideal um, yeah. customer profile. We'd reach out to them on LinkedIn. We'd say, hey, can we book some time to chat to you about it? And you'd see them sort of almost like getting a little bit uncomfortable at the idea of the cold hard sales. Um, so then mm. we went to a couple of, of lead gen agencies and uh, they, uh, they were great. I, I knew they'd get the meetings, uh, but their creative output wasn't, um, it wasn't compelling, should we say. Yeah. Um, so we kind of we really saw a gap there for something that was almost a seventy percent PR agency, thirty percent lead gen agency, and that was that was the genesis of of hard numbers. Um, we launched it in June twenty twenty, which was right in the middle of the first pandemic, which is a very interesting time uh, to launch. Uh, so the first pandemic, yep. first lockdown, joins uh, us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we kind of we, we were planning it in late 2019, and then the pandemic came along, and uh, we looking back, you, you you always sort of um, uh, you know tell yourself a story of why you made certain decisions a certain way. We believed in the proposition. We you know we knew the gap was there. We thought it was very timely. In reality, yeah. we were just stubborn, and we were like, we're going to do it. We're going to launch. Um, yeah. So we launched in June 2020, um, and we built out the proposition in, in, you know, in a number of different ways. Obviously, the name Hard Numbers, uh, that's really what it stands for. Daryl came up with that name. I mean, he's surprisingly creative uh, for a commercial guy, um, which he still holds over for me. Um, and then we built various other uh, sort of proof points and mechanisms around that. So some of that was in the services that we offer. Yes, we're a traditional PR agency and what we can achieve. Um, but on top of that, we will layer on top um, lead gen, account-based marketing, services like that mm. gives us what we think is, is a genuinely unique proposition um and there's a couple of other proof, proof points around um earned media guarantees and, and best in class measurement um as well and, and you're the creative director and appreciate that as an agency grows you still as you know part of the leadership team have to start leading more than creative in this stuff mm. happening how much how much are you having to kind of um, how, how much of your team are now um, involved in the, you know, the higher decision making around creative decisions and things like that? Because I think when from if you were to sort of split the business and look at um, the commercial aspect, it's it's a, it's somewhat easier to delegate things that are numbers based, should we say, are they're, they're much more um, objective, but creativity and things like that is quite hard to, to you know, take your hands off, I guess. Yeah, so I think... Uh... A couple of things here. Firstly, my, my role's creative director and part of that remit involves signing off and, and overseeing all, all the creative that we put out as an agency. And it is really important to us that we do put out good creative. Um, I think mm. in consumer agencies and consumer third agencies, that's that that's as standard. They compete on creative. The number of 
white papers and bits of content I've seen churned out from B2B agencies and technology agencies. And in terms of our split, we're, we're, we're sort of B2B and tech, 70, 80%, and then about 20, 30% consumer. Mm. Um, but we very intentionally hire from consumer backgrounds to make sure that we can deliver best-in-class creative, even when we work with B2B clients, because the number of um, lazy white papers, pieces of content that are knocking around this industry that have all had, you know, well-earned budget spent on them hmm. um, is something that we we really want to we really want to address. Um, so that's really really important. Uh, that's a really important part. A lot of my job is actually more operational, managing director-wise, as is always yeah. the case. That's a key part of my role. But equally, I wouldn't even say it's the majority of my of my hourly time uh, that I spend. In terms of how you delegate, I'm. I know of agencies where every idea that goes out the door will come from the creative director. I know of agencies where every press release, I know of a 112 person agency where every press release gets signed off by the founder. And I just think what a, what a, what a ridiculous paper. It's hard to scale that kind of problem. (laughs) The one thing you can't scale is yourself. You can work evenings, you can work weekends, but you can't clone yourself, at least not yet. And so the way you need to do that is you need to hire people who are, good at what they do smarter than you ideally <laughs> that's mm. that's smarter than daryl certainly um but um and people who understand media relations people who understand creative and if we um if we can get there um yeah. uh, that, that's how you do better work so uh so yeah we very much try not to be the sort of um single point of single bottleneck when it comes to creative and and thanks to our hiring we've been able to do that hey voiceover guy here Sorry to interrupt, Um, if you're looking to accelerate the growth of your agency, then check out omg.center forward slash info. Oh, sorry, Chris. Can't even have a conversation without being interrupted. That must be what it's like for you at work every day. Um, So (laughs) um, you started in the pandemic, but aside from, you know, surviving as a business through that that very early crucial days, um, what do you think has been one of the biggest successes that you guys have seen, uh, you know, to date so i think the i think i want to answer this in two parts firstly what's driven our success and then and then secondly what yep. that success has looked like please um i've uh, as, as much as i'll give him stick uh for his for gilet wearing ways i actually think that the the, the key to, to to our success and, and certainly my my personal professional success um in running the agency has been picking the right business partner um i mm. think it is critical when you launch a business to get the right business partner. And a, a good business partner is ultimately two things, right? You want them to be good at the things that you're bad at, and you want them to be somebody that you're comfortable crying in front of. Now, what do I mean by that? Yes. One of the things you're bad at, when you look at launching uh, an agency, there's a couple of skill sets that, that, that are really important. Um, if you do want to scale, say, seven figures. Not everyone does want to scale that far. A lot of people are perfectly happy with it at six figures. Um, and sometimes when I'm uh, working on resourcing and, and cash flow analysis and forecasts like that, um, sometimes I think smaller is better. But um, if you do want to get to that seven-figure uh, mark, a lot of people think that if you're good at PR, you'll get there. If you're running a PR agency or if you're running a content agency, if you're good at content, you'll get there. But in reality, that's that's one of about six or seven skill sets you need to, to launch and run your agency. Yeah. Darla and I are both uh, fans of, of the phrase um, business. All businesses are fundamentally about two things, making things and selling things, right? 
when it comes to agencies, you, you unpack those a little bit more on, on the selling things side. That's prospecting, that's marketing, that's pitching, and then on the on the on the doing things, uh, on the making things side, the delivery. That that's your people, that's your hiring, that's your client services. Now, if you want to mm. get to say a six figure um, uh, set of um, a revenue, that yes, just being good at the thing that you do, you, you can build to that. Um, but you need those skills. Yep. And I I like seeing I'm, I'm I'm good at certain things. Um, but for, for my money, Daryl is, is is the best uh, uh, salesperson, the best the best prospector, uh, and one of the best pitchers um, in the industry. Oh, he's gonna and, love listening to this. And he, this if it's joy to watch, okay, you, you watch that man on a sales call. It is it's one of the it's one of the wonders of the servicing world. Um, but <laughs> uh, he, he, look, in all seriousness, I'll, I'll, I'll give him um, I'll, I'll give him stick. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to be in, in business with, with such a talented person, mm. and he brings so much to the table on that on that sales and, and specifically the prospect yeah. side of things. I like to think of myself as someone who's good in the pitch, but going out and dragging those briefs into your into your business is really really difficult, and that's something he's extraordinarily good at. Um, he's good at, there's a couple of other bits as well. And I like to think that some of those other areas I bring to the table, but really importantly, and I'd love to say that when I picked my business partner, I did this intentionally. I got lucky and I picked my business partner, um, kind of lucked out on the fact that we kind of matched up on all the skills that, 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 that we needed, um, between mm. us were either, were either great or good, or maybe quite good, um, all of those things. And that's, what's got us, um, to where we are. In terms of what that success yeah. looks like, um, we've I, I'm I'm genuinely one of my favourite things to do in, in in a in the business. It used to be winning business, but it's actually now hiring good people. I now get more of a um of a of a boost out of bringing a talented person into the business that I do bringing clients in, because it's just so hard to find those right people. And when you do, it just really it really unlocks um. Not just commercial growth, but but it makes your day to day life so much easier and 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 sort of more pleasurable uh, to, to come to work. Yep. So, so yeah. So I think the the, the biggest success has honestly just been building the, the fantastic team we've got, and and it's just it, it's also a joy to watch when you bring somebody in at say a a, a junior to mid level, and, and you see them stepping up to a senior level. We've got one or two folks yeah. stepping up um, uh, this month, um, and and just seeing that team take shape and. And really knowing that actually, yeah, your, your your team is one of the best in the business. I'd say that that's yeah. one of our greatest successes. There's a there's a maternal paternal feeling when you see your team grow. Um, so I completely I completely understand what you mean there. Is there anything that you guys um, either did early doors that has been a really that set you up for current success, or anything that you did early that you realised, oh crap, we should probably stop doing that and do this instead. Um, so I think in terms of what we what we've got right, I think, and something I would have liked to have done earlier, is around a year and a half ago when we started to see the um, tech sector contracting and we're quite heavily exposed to tech, we made a, a very conscious decision to start going after bigger, um, more established blue chip companies, and that. We really we made that decision to do that around two years ago, but the work really started in earnest about eighteen months ago. And for twelve, sort of fifteen months, uh, we had loads of like little little signs of victory, but 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 no big big wins. Um, over the last three months, the thick things have started to click in. Over the last three months, we won three, um, sort of big blue chip companies, one of the biggest e commerce companies. They've all started recently, so I can't actually say who they are annoyingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one is one of the biggest e-commerce companies in the world. 
Uh, another one is is a major uh, a billion dollar um, valuation company in the U.S. And the third one is is one of the uh, most significant sort of technology players in in the British um, ecosystem. So really excited to, to be working with all of those. The advice I give myself uh, on on the, on the professional side of things would would have been to start doing that earlier because those sorts of shifts mm-hmm. in your targeting takes a very long time. We set ourselves up yeah. to go earlier stage technology businesses. And I think because it was it was the right decision at the time, uh, but had we had that crystal ball, we, we probably would have tried to move up the food chain a little bit sooner. I think on a personal level, um, the advice I'd give myself would be to try and stress uh, the losses less or to try and to try and stress mm-hmm. the, the difficult and complex bits less. Running a, running an agency um, is is a it's not just it's a stressful um, or a hard it's, or, or hard work. It's it's that it's for, for a small business, it's, it's very complex and a lot of moving parts. You, you, you've got yeah. because every single one of your clients are unpredictable, and every single one of the people mm-hmm. who works for you is unpredictable. And a services business, you obviously have more clients and more people than, than, than you might say in, in a technology um, business. And it's like spinning some very heavy plates. Where when one of those plates drops, it's not just um, something you can shrug off. Um, when one of those plates is people. That's their careers, right? That's their. There are twenty yeah, people yeah, yeah. who, and sometimes when I stop to think about this, this next bit, it, it really, um, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I really find myself stopping to think of it and kind of almost pinch myself a little bit. But there are twenty people who come to work um, every day, um, and at the end of each month, they rely on the business that I've set up to to pay their rent, to pay their mortgages, to, yeah. to pay their bill, and that weighs really heavy on me because that is a real. It's a privilege they've chosen to come. Um, uh, and work for, for hard numbers, but it's also a real responsibility. So you can find yourselves really, really stressing. Having said all that, I think o- over the last um, six months, I- I've had some some sort of, some more context, uh, a sort of great yeah. context forced upon me in that um, I've, I've experienced some, um, a couple of pieces of trauma, which, which have really, I think, put the personal professional balance uh, you know in yeah. life um and that's the so around um around six months ago i found out or we, we found out my wife and i um found out we were pregnant um and it's we've been trying for, for a little while and it got to the point where we were thinking um is it going to happen are we going to need to look at yeah look at the um other routes and then just as we were thinking okay this might not be happening naturally we, we found out that we were pregnant um and it was it was an amazing uh feeling um but then a uh, cu- couple of days later we found out that it was an ectopic um pregnancy which which for people who've been mm. um familiar is where the the yeah, embryo be quite will, traumatic yeah well yeah will, will form outside the womb so it will form in a fallopian tube for example and that basically means it's not viable is because the womb was designed to stretch but a fallopian tube isn't and obviously that's um not not where um the sort of the, the embryo and the fetus are supposed to grow um and uh, we went through treatment with that, um, but um, a few weeks later, the, the one of the reasons it's so dangerous is because the fallopian tube isn't designed to stretch. If the, if the embryo fetus c- continues to grow, that can rupture it and cause internal bleeding. It can be very dangerous. Yeah. Um, and that 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 was that was basically what happened. Um, we were we were getting treatment. We, we were normally when you know that you've got an ectopic pregnancy, um, it can be managed. And, and when you hear about ruptures, it only ever happens um, if. I mean, it's much more likely to happen if you weren't aware that it was an ectopic pregnancy to begin with. Yeah. Uh, well, that, there's never any guarantees. Um, and a couple of weeks later, it ruptured and, and we had to um, rush uh, my, my wife to the hospital. Um, 
and well, I, I say rush. Um, we, uh, not to go on a, on a tangent, a tangent, but we um, we called for an ambulance, and, and owing to the to the state of where the NHS is nowadays, that there weren't actually any ambulances to send out, um, which is one of one of the scariest uh, moments of my God, life. That makes it terrifying, doesn't it? It was. It, it, it was the scariest moment of my life. Um, it was. It was. A, it was. It was the, the saddest couple of weeks of my life, and it was topped up by the scariest moment of my life when um, I knew that my wife was potentially dying, and you phone nine nine nine, and there's no ambulances. Um, and mm. not to not to get too political here, but but when we do go to the polls later in the year, um, if you want to get a government where if a loved one of yourself, if a loved one is is dying. They'll send an ambulance. Um, yeah, labour. I'm not sure they're going to put that on a billboard, but but that is sadly the the conversation. <laughs> it shouldn't yeah, have, but it, it's true. It's true. It's true. I'll vote labour. Don't 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 vote Tory. Um, but uh, but back back onto um onto how that's impacted me. So over, over the next couple of months, it really did put my work into context a bit more. Um, sadly, uh, we we then found out just before Christmas that um we were pregnant again. Um, and then, um, uh, earlier this month at the start of January, um, sorry, excuse me. Let's, uh, take a moment there. Um, at the start of January, we then found out that we had a mis miscarriage, um, which is when, uh, no heartbeats found, but the baby hadn't, um, passed yet. And then there was, there was various treatment, um, for that as well. Um. Now, now the reason I bring this up is 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 twofold. Firstly, to to answer your your original question, what 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 advice would I give myself? Um, stressing less, uh, what the person I want to be at work is somebody who who really brings my whole self to work every day, who really mm. um, brings my A game, works my ass off to grow the business, and really sort of you know celebrates the wins. Right? We 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 had a huge win yesterday. That's one of the one of the three clients that I spoke about. And it was amazing. The team had worked really hard on it. We we found out pretty much straight after. We went straight to the pub, got a round of champagne in. And it was amazing. I still mm. want to enjoy those things. But I do want to get mm. to the point where you, you stress the you stress the difficult things a little bit less. Um, and yeah. to answer your original question, everything that's happened over the last six months has has really given me the, the context on why that's important. Um, the other reason I, I want to speak about this is because... Um, uh, I, I tried to be quite open with, with, with the people that, that I know and that, that I work with about what had happened. And, and the thing that really surprised me was the number of people who, when I talked about the ectopic pregnancy or I talked about mis miscarriage, um, would say something along the lines of uh, a, a very similar thing happened to me, um, whether it was a miscarriage, whether it was problems conceiving. Um, and when you look into the, into the data uh, behind it, I think it's between one in five and one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage or some form of early pregnancy loss and mm. what i realized as i was talking about this was that people were very comfortable talking about this topic once they knew you'd gone through something similar um, yeah so what i try to whenever i can talk about it because i'm sure there are people right now listening to this podcast who are trying um and who are having yeah. difficulties or who have got pregnancy and have experienced some sort of an early pregnancy loss and i think the more it's talked about the easier it is to talk about yourself. Um, and that has been one of the um, key reasons that we've been able to get through it. I I, I, I can only uh, empathise um, 
uh, well, in a in a in a non-callous way, I'm glad that I can only empathise uh, if that makes sense. Um, I um, I can I, I I think those are the sorts of things which often it's easy not to have um, a huge depth of perspective when it comes to lots of agency or business or personal or, or, or personal stuff and and i don't know i don't know what it is about being a person but it's often that you that a, a jolt is required or some kind of um knock is required to teach us the thing that we should probably all kind of known in the first place which is it's that let's not sweat those sorts of things so much that that bring us down because there's probably something bigger and more important out there that is way 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 more worthy of our energy and our love and our time and our effort mm-hmm. um and that's not to say that you know having a team that rely on you for their food and mortgage bills and things like that isn't important and worth worrying about because you know naturally that's not just a responsibility of 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 running a business but um when it comes to real life things and by real life things i mean things that impact personal life um it helps to make you a bit more resilient in the business stuff but at the same time um you you're now more capable i guess of being able to help other people when they have similar kinds of problems because you're able to see this the way to step back and help and keep an uh you know uh, an alternative perspective perhaps that might well help someone else through those sorts of things mm-hmm. um and it's quite important especially to build empathy as a as a as a, a leader in a business um it's really important a hundred percent and something that daryl said to one of the uh, pr publications i think it was pr week they, they, they spoke to a number of agency founders and, and they asked them what they were doing to support their um uh their, their team's mental health and he gave a, a really um uh a really thoughtful answer which was beyond the policies the best thing that you can do to support your team's mental health is to talk about your own because if you talk about your own anxieties if you talk about your own struggles if you talk about that one time you had burnout and crashed and burned and you know all that sort of stuff your team mm. will feel more comfortable talking about it either with you or with their peers or with their loved ones. And it, it, it's a cliche yeah. now to say that it's important to talk about it. But what I've learned over the last six months is learning how to talk about it and learning how to communicate about it is often how you process it. And yeah, that is critical to recovery of, of any sort. And it's also critical of making sure that if you do have a trauma in your life, whether it's mental health related um, or that's a health, a physical health, something that's happened to you, um, communicating, being able to talk about that with the people it's also affected um, helps them, helps them process it, helps them feel less lonely as well. So it's not just about the communicate, about talking about it, it's, it's te- learning how to talk about it as well. Yeah. And it, it it's very hard to have um the mental equipment should we say to talk about things unless you have unless you learn how to do it and like you say it's 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 almost something and uh that that comes from an experience or or being around people who have a certain uh experience and i think that your um the your your team will only 
benefit from from your um, new sort of um, uh, way of being able to articulate these things and support other people and and and, and your and your wife as well. Um, but you know, I, th- I think these are the, the these are the these are the kinds of um, sad parts of life which ultimately um, you can you can almost choose to a certain level how you um how you manage them in the long run um you know you could um take it in one way and it go very negatively for you and everyone around you you could take it another way which you know helps you learn and helps you to grow and helps other people and i think that you know the way you've explained that it sounds very much like it's um a sad way to learn a important thing Hmm. yeah absolutely it's 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 a really strange grief is strange the last six months mm. I've, I've felt angry i felt sad i've, I've been in deep depths of, of despair but then once i process those things when i'll be back at work I, no, I was noticeably i physically felt less anxious and mm. I, i'm not a, a medical professional so i don't know but I, I believe there's there's a reason that we feel stressed from like an evolution standpoint um and sometimes you need to be both sort of consciously but also subconsciously maybe physically go through that um process to remind yourself that actually that meeting that you've got with the client that's really angry about a set of results that isn't going to kill you so therefore you can deal with the first thing you can deal with the next thing it, it definitely does give you that context um yeah which does help i hugely appreciate your honesty and uh and and you know willingness to talk about this on the podcast here paul today no th- thank you for, for, for giving me the, the, the platform to, to talk about it it's it's something that i've wanted to be more open about and for various reasons personal professional um as well so i, I really appreciate the, the opportunity to talk about it um and anyone listening to this podcast at the moment um you there's almost certainly someone that will be willing to listen even if they don't necessarily understand um and that's probably a good starting point um and that's across all areas of everything it's not about business growth or agency growth or anything like that but things that things that are tough are often things that um are hard to articulate and just kind of dealing with all of any of those things on your own is often oftentimes um sabotaging yourself in some way or another um but thank you very much for coming on the podcast today paul and you know naturally we'll have you back in around a year's time um hopefully not with the gilet on we'll we'll see how that goes <laughs> we'll see you never know look as i said my, my been through a lot recently been through a lot of changes who knows maybe this time next you, year i'll be wearing a gilet we will i'm find- not gonna i'm not gonna sound callous and say that that um that trauma does funny things to a man but you know, if you put a gilet on, we know that you're not quite right still. Yeah, yeah. That that that's when you really know. Um, I haven't been processing it. Um, yeah. Well, God <laughs> forbid. Um, thanks very much for coming on. And in our next episode, we'll be speaking with another agency leader to hear their story and the lessons they learned along the way. And thanks very much for listening. Thanks. <laughs>